Welcome back to the Rebel Alliance Media Podcast. In the studio, as always, with you are Chris and Nate. Uh, happy to be here today. And uh, how are you doing today, man? I'm, I'm pretty good. I feel like I should have a better nickname than Chris. Well, I call you Pootie sometimes, but you generally don't like that. No, I don't. You wanted this don't. to be you wanted this to be one place where you weren't Pootie <laughs> in your entire life, and Kemp made sure that did not happen. No, but I feel like you got a really good one. Like P Nate is sweet. You know what I mean? Like it's like, oh, it's what is he? He's pastor, but he's also Nate, so he's like so, P Nate. So it's Pootie like, and P Nate is what I should be saying is But you just don't like Pootie. Do you prefer Pootsie? No, I definitely don't prefer that. I used to get that when I was a kid. My uncle used to call me that. Well, you I don't, don't get see to pick your own anymore. nickname. So here's here's my challenge to the Duke? listeners. No, no, you don't no? get to pick your own nickname. Now you're just going to pick cool stuff like T-bone. and T-Bone and Duke. Um, what about uh, Jorge the monkey? <laughs> Isn't that the... <laughs> it's Coco the monkey. Coco. Uh, messed up the Seinfeld. Uh, okay, so here's our challenge then to the listeners. What is Chris Poot's nickname? Kemp, you can't just say Pootie Tang because that's your pet name for him so this is this is what the public is going to call him this is how we're going to refer to him on the show i have a pet name you have a pet name somebody who's not my wife that's a little awkward it is a little awkward but that's all right kim can get away with it um yes, he can. hey we're the rebels <laughs> thanks for listening uh if you if this is your first time listening to us we hope this is episode 31 that you're listening to but if you're new with the rebels uh welcome and uh if you want to find out more about us head to the website at uh, rebelalliancemedia.com Check us out on Facebook. If you're listening to us on Facebook, make sure you hit that like button, comment, um, and share this video. If you're listening to us on iTunes or any podcast catcher, uh, try to write us a review. Try to uh, give us a review and a rating. Uh, that would be awesome. And I think actually um, taking our cue from our friends, the thieves, you actually have a few reviews that you want to read. Is that right? Yeah. Well, we're, I thought we could uh, finally give some props to people who have actually done what we said and did what we asked. Right. So that, that's that's good. That's let's good. read some of these reviews. All and right. See, what uh, are people saying about uh, the rebels on iTunes? Well, the first one from uh, March sixteenth. So almost right when we got started. Oh, nice. And uh, this person and said, those first couple episodes were rough. <laughs> they were. <laughs> he clearly didn't listen to the pilot. Um, hashtag serious. Um, he said, "Love this new podcast." Check it out if you love theology and good banter. Also, these two sound very handsome. I feel like that's probably my wife. <laughs> nope, she's got another one. Oh, okay. Hers, hers is our only non-five star. Oh, okay. <laughs> and <laughs> she her didn't com- call us handsome either. Her, her comment said, love the podcast, love the, love the banter, love the theology. Nate, take out the garbage. Fair enough. So that, there was that. That was, we, I'm just kidding. She didn't actually write that. Um, you can imagine though. We got to... Somebody who's Eric1KARP, sounds okay. like a name. Um, Erica, how would you, would you probably say that? Probably Erica, Erica probably. yeah. Um, said, such an awesome mix of superheroes, Star Wars, and theology. Awesome life hacks at the end of each episode. Episodes make you think, too. Very informative. Loved it. Some nice. of the quicker ones from Jen NM. Love to listen and learn from these podcasts. One, <laughs> one by... <laughs> Pause. <laughs> Said. Seems lo- like an odd screen name. Username. iTunes. You just. I think you just put whatever you want in there. Okay, There's no, yeah, anyway. yeah. Love listening to these podcasts. Download them on my phone. Listen to them on my breaks at work. Speakers are super funny and always give honest answers to serious questions. Let's see if there's anybody who's uh, criticized us because that'd be fun. Oh, this one's great. Um, our good friend Jesse Leet. Throughout my go-to podcast of choice, hand in the winky thing, 
Um, Nate and Chris are always on point. Got to get that guy a card. Love that guy. We owe him a yeah. coffee. You can buy him a coffee. <laughs> Actually, I think he just bought a house. He so did. Maybe, maybe a coffee's in order for more than one thing. Anyway, um, <laughs> admin on Sage. Um, great discussion around theology. Occasional appreciation for coffee and and the beards. Really not enough Star Wars talk. All right, all right. We can get back to the, the people Star Wars have spoken, talk. That's right. yes. but that can be be forgiven. Five out of five would listen absolutely. Nice. So that's some of our reviews, and then I want to also like shout out some of the people who don't necessarily, or they have, but I just don't know who they are because the names are all weird. Who comment, like, share us on Facebook often. So, and um, we got our our. Uh, Friend, do we actually? I don't know if I know this uh, gentleman, Adam Caruss. Is that how you say the name? Yeah, that's how, that, that's how it looks to me. Yeah, nice. Um, Ashley Cox, I think she might be the first person who comments on everything. Yep, what we do appreciate Ashley. <laughs> Steve Pye, who's always uh, always quick to give us some like, yeah, he's super positive thoughtful. and super but thoughtful, thoughtful responses, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Jesse Lead, who we've already mentioned, um, Jay and Amy Brunsma, yep, they they have been pretty supportive right from the beginning. Um, Carly Felker always giving us some good questions. If you ask, uh, yeah, she she's basically had a question for every Q and A. So yeah, appreciate good. her and her feedback. That's been good. Yeah, I, I apologize if I say this name wrong, M- Mika, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say P, Mika P, Mika P, Mika me P. That's a terrible joke. I said I wasn't <laughs> going to make that joke, and then I made the joke on you the did, air. You did. You panicked with the microphone in front I of you. I did. I do. I well, it's like a sermon. Um, that's a terrible joke too. Um, Jane, 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 Jan Wilson. Sorry about that. <laughs> Martha Ends. Um, two of our friends from our church who have been supportive right from the beginning, and our, our friend Rebecca Britton has also commented on almost a lot of our videos, giving us good feedback. Sometimes challenges to think a little bit different. I think sometimes yep. too. So that's some of the people that. Uh, Nice. Have have commented on more than one. I'm sure I missed ever, tons of people. If I have, don't I blame Nate. Um, I basically just went through and pulled off some people who we've seen have commented on more of our more recent videos. So um, do appreciate everybody who's done what we've asked, liked, shared, um, commented, and engaged with the rebels. Join the rebellion, as they say. Um, as we say. <laughs> yeah, as we say. I don't know. I don't know if there's any T-shirts yet. Um, try to get it trending. Um, but we do appreciate it, and we appreciate your continual engagement. We hope it just continues to increase because we're here for you guys, right? So. And we should just add to that. Thank you, uh, all our brothers uh, through the Berean Media Network. And that's a good time for us to plug that uh, we are a proud member of the Berean Media Network uh, with the two thieves the Layman's Cup and the Front Pew Podcasts, uh, a network of podcasts that uh, support each other through uh, sharing each other's content and holding each other accountable and uh, sharpening each other and challenging each other, uh, essentially to put out good gospel-centered, sound theological content, and uh, we're thankful to be a part of that. Um, Some good episodes that they put out, we're recording here on Friday, so we just uh, listened to the Rebels, or the uh, rather the Thieves, uh, episode on confessionalism. Lots of uh, conversations going on backstage about that episode. We appreciate them and uh, and their thoughtfulness and their their emphasis on church history. Uh, listen to Ben uh, Rudolph's sermon. That's what they did for the Front Pews episode this year or this week, and it was really good. And uh, and the layman did. Uh, they went through uh, the vine and the vine dresser from John, and uh, and that was a good episode too. So yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah appreciated them just kind of wa- working their way through the scriptures. Uh, some good, good content out there. And if you are listening to us 
and uh, you're just looking for some other podcasts to help uh, help you grow in your faith and help you uh, discover sound theology, uh, we would push any of their content as well. So getting to uh, what we're kind of talking about today, uh, we, uh, we thought we would start off with, uh, with bringing back a segment we haven't done in a couple of weeks. Uh, What's going in the bin? And this is just where this is really just a chance for us to vent, really, about church culture. Um, but this is just we say what 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 would you throw in the waste bin? What from church culture or, or that was something that we do in church that you would just throw in the in the waste bin, uh, throw in the trash can? So, Pooty, what are you throwing in the trash can this I've, week? I've been sitting on this one for a while. Um, I'm getting rid of a word. So back right. to if we if we. Harken back to our Kobe episode, there was some Christianese words that I was thinking of, and there's one phrase that seems to be running rampant in churches across North America right now is the word authentic. Mm, and I just want to right. get rid of it because... Just don't use the word authentic? You know, this church has really authentic worship. Mm. The pastor is very... Authentic. Authentic. Obviously, like, or hopefully, I hopefully, guess would be yeah. the it's, it's just, It's just, it implies that they're you know, you're doing something better than everybody else. Right. Like, we're oh, We're actually worshiping Everyone God. else is putting on a pretense, but we're <laughs> authentic. We're real. We're <laughs> real. It's like, it's like, remember when you used to have those things where it's just like, just be, just be real. You know what I mean? I just need to be real with you. Right. Well, yeah, it's called being truthful. The right. Bible tells us to do that. <laughs> yeah. So you're not trying to deceive me. Thanks yeah. so much. <laughs> Thank you very much for not trying to like, you know put on a shell and a, and a facade for me. I, I very much appreciate you just being yourself around me. Yeah. It's terrible. I hate that word. I, w- I want to get rid of it and ban its use in the church. Nice. No offense. Okay. Um, Actually, total offense, I guess, would be the right way to say that. So here's here's what I'm going to throw this one out there for uh, for my friends, uh, Griggs and uh, and Rudolph and Caps, from our, our pastor friends over at the front pew. Um, so here's one. I, I just... You know, I, th- I think it's great when pastors, I do it myself, you kind of go to the back door and you just shake people's hands on the way out of the sanctuary. I'd be interested to know if everybody does that. It's just kind of something that I do. It's a nice way to introduce yourself to visitors and all that kind of stuff. But, but it's here's really authentic. It's, it's very authentic <laughs> of me. If you ask me, uh, I would tell you how authentic I'm being. But <laughs> the, uh, the thing that I want to throw out is people feeling the need to give feedback on the sermon right there. Right. So not like it, if people have pushback, if people have praise, you know, I love encouragement and I even love criticism. Um, but I, I'm not there so that you say something like people are just great sermon today, pastor. Right. And then so so here's the other part that I'm throwing in the bin is that when the pastor always feels the need to say, well, it wasn't me. Right. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was God. Right. Because they, they're, they're so apprehensive about taking any sort of credit for the sermon. So I, I was told a story by the guy who mentored me, and he said, don't ever say that at the, at the back when somebody says, oh, great job, you know, great sermon today, Pastor, or whatever. Just say, thanks, right? Just, just kind of brush it off. You know, you don't have to uh, uh, puff yourself up, but you also don't have to be self-deprecating. And so he just said, um, he told me a story about uh, one lady who came to the back and said to the pastor, you know, great sermon today, Pastor. And he says, well, it wasn't me, it was God. And she's like, well, it wasn't that good. <laughs> Which is, which I think is just perfect, right? Like, yeah, if Jesus had have preached, it would have been better. Let's just acknowledge that. But um, so I, I just that that awkward exchange of somebody feeling like they have to give you and have to say good sermon, and then the pastor having to deny credit and 
and say, well, it was God. So I just want to get rid of that whole thing. Let's just talk at the back, shake my hand and tell me, you know, tell me, you know, good to see me or, or ask me about the Jays game or, or something, but don't just, don't feel obligated to say great sermon, right? Let's have a deep conversation. I'm fine with that. Let's have a superficial conversation. Just don't feel like you have to do anything obligatory. Yeah, I, I always, I can I confess that I avoid the door that the pastor's at. So like when you're at the one door, like it's a little bit different with you and me, but like, you know, if I go to a church and the pastor goes to one door, I usually will go to the other one because I like, even I might've loved the sermon. I probably loved the sermon, but I don't, I don't want to have to be like, you know, I just really loved point three. You know I mean, like, I just don't know what, like, I don't know what to like say. It's a two point sermon. <laughs> just like, uh, you know, there's that, always that awkward, like, cause it, it's almost like we feel I'm, I'm pushing back here a little. Right. There's always like that awkward tension. We feel we have to say something if you're standing back there. Right. So I like the fact that you've clarified. You just want us to like, yeah, how are I don't you doing want any today? feedback on the sermon. I just, I just want to shake your hand. I just want to, uh, introduce myself to visitors and I just want to make sure I'm touching base because there's lots of people who just leave right after. And I try to make my rounds in the foyer and say hi to everybody. There's lots of people who just leave right after so i just don't want to um i don't want to miss anybody i don't want anybody to be like oh i didn't even i didn't even talk to nate today or whatever so it's just my chance to like you know say hi to everybody yeah but anyway don't so if you're listening to this whatever church you go to don't feel obligated to say anything about the pastor's sermon that's not what we're there for let's just make this the whole episode because like you're kind (laughs) of you're you're at work right now right like that's like you're that's your job you got to be getting out into that foyer meeting people who maybe you know you don't know you know what I mean? So, but if you're stuck talking to somebody who you just know, that's terrible. I'm just ranting. I'm throwing that in the bin too. I don't All know right. what that is, but. All right. Before we deconstruct right. the entire uh, church atmosphere after a service ends, um, what are we actually talking about today? We are starting a, a series, a two-part series on apologetics. That's right. Bam. That's one of those big fancy words. Nate, why don't you, <laughs> I'm assuming most people maybe know what that is, but why don't you break it down just in case there's somebody who who doesn't know it. And just give us like a Coles notes of what you would say an apologetic is apologetics is rather. Yeah. So, um, you know, Rabbi Zacharias is kind of one of the leading uh, apologists, if you will. So apologetics is, is, is simply, simply put, it's, it's defending the Christian faith. It's making a defense for the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Um, Rabbi Zacharias, and I, I would disagree with his definition a little bit, but I'll give you his definition just because that's probably a name that most of our people know. Um, so it says, he says, apologetics is not a set of techniques for winning people to Christ. It's not a set of argumentative templates designed to win debates. It is a willingness to work with God in helping people discover and turn to his glory. So the idea here is that it's, it's evangelism, it's answering questions, it's defending the faith. Um, and that's how he kind of defines it. Um, I, I, I kind of like Cornelius Van Til. Cornelius Van Til just says that apologetics is, is essentially the declaration that the Christian worldview is the correct worldview, right? So it's the declaration. So defense, declaration, apologetics is simply the study of or the, the art of, if you will, uh, defending the Christian faith. And... Uh, where we kind of get this is is in First uh, Peter uh, three. So in First Peter three, um, I'll start in verse uh, fourteen, just so that uh, you have a little bit of context. It says, uh, "But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, uh, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, talking about opponents of the faith, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense." 
to anyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that is in you, yet do so with gentleness and respect. So this is the word, that word that we translate make a defense, uh, is the, uh, the Greek word where we get the term apologetics. And essentially that's what we're talking about, making a defense for the Christian faith, um, how to defend your faith. And it goes hand in hand with, with witnessing. It goes hand in hand with evangelism because as we, uh, many of us know, when we try to declare the gospel, when we try to share the gospel with people, inevitably there are questions. Whether they don't believe in God or whether they have stumbling blocks, uh, questions like, it, you know, if God is good, how could he allow suffering? Uh, you know, if God is, is loving, how could he condemn things like homosexuality? You know, people have those questions. So as we try to share the gospel, people will have questions. And as we answer those questions, we're essentially engaging in apologetics. So um, the, as we just kind of start, this is, uh, like, like you said, we're going to do a two-part series on this. And the first one, we just kind of want to talk about apologetics and try to convince our listeners that every Christian is an apologist. Every Christian should be engaged in apologetics and understand a little bit about this. And then in the second episode, we'll kind of get into some of the nitty-gritty and talk to you about how to equip you to defend the faith against certain specific um, popular attacks. So starting with just kind of the big picture here, um, I, I know you've been uh, kind of involved in studying apologetics and stuff, kind of what got you into apologetics and what, what uh, you know, and, and why? Um, yeah, no problem. No problem. I got into a, apologetics because evangelism is, is a big part of what I, how I view the world. I, like I said, we, we have are openly post-millennial um, <laughs> and we want to see the world converted. Well, Apologetics is a piece of how we do that. In terms of what I mean, as apologetics saves no one. I want I want that to be said so everybody knows where we're coming from. Our arguments and our defense doesn't change anyone's mind. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God electing his 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 people. Amen. But apologetics to me does put a bit of responsibility on us as Peter gives us in this in those verses that we should be ready and know how to articulate and how to defend what we profess. Right. Um, you need to be able to, as a Christian, in my opinion, you need to be able to proclaim the gospel. And I hate that saying that um, about, you know, teach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Right, no, that. the apostles always use words. Words <laughs> are, there's a reason we Jesus was referred to as the word. Right. Um, words are very important and they're very important in scripture and our words and the way we talk to people are very important. So apologetics to me, really becomes the art of having conversations that bring people to the gospel. Right. And Absolutely. answering questions, yes, by our lives, but by our words and by what we say and how we respond to the challenges that people put forth against the Christian worldview and responding to those things with the Christian worldview. This whole podcast is about engaging culture with a biblical worldview. Right. Apologetics is kind of the art of how we do that. So I think... Uh, and again, I just reiterate, it's not what we say that's going to win anyone to the faith. It's the spirit empowering the words we say that might do that, right? Right. So yeah, that, and that's just, that's a good, um, and that's where I would kind of disagree with Rabbi Zacharias's definition of apologetics, um, because he kind of said it's us working with God essentially to save people for his glory. And I would just say, no, no, we we acknowledge, right, we are, we are reformed soteriologists soteriologically we are calvinists <laughs> in other words we believe that the um the regenerating work in somebody's heart is 
wholly dependent on God. He saves whom he saves. Jacob he loved, Esau he hated, right? There's, there's, uh, there's a supernatural, it is, it's, it's, it's a complete work of God to take us, as Ephesians 2 says, from being dead in our trespasses to be made alive together with Christ. So um, it is wholly a work of God in the Holy Spirit. But then we would say it is the means through which God does that is by the proclamation of his gospel, right? It's by the proclamation of his word. It's by giving testimony to the the work, the death and work and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, um, so it is how we say, it is what we say, but it is you know the Holy Spirit working in a person's heart. So apologetics isn't necessarily, um, as you said, what saves somebody. But it's the art of having conversation and making defense for the faith. And, and I, I like the way that um, uh, Greg Bonson once described it. And he basically said, apologetics is taking barriers out of the way so that the gospel can land in fertile soil. Right? That's, that's the point. And so um, it's, it's just engaging in conversation with somebody because the, the reality is, is that um, in, our, in our culture, there are so many roadblocks for people. If they have a, a, a worldview that tells them that uh, evolution is incompatible with Christianity and the gospel, and um, the, the, the bigotry that Christians uh, show towards uh, homosexuals or transgender is a roadblock for them believing the gospel, then sometimes there are conversations that you need to have to soften their hearts to before the gospel can even get through, right? And, and that's not to say that the gospel can't penetrate into a hard heart, but this is, this is part of the means by which it penetrates into a hard heart, is you take away the, the blocks from the wall around their heart by engaging them in particular issues. And, and, and oftentimes when you're talking, so this might sound intimidating to people because you might be sitting there saying, well, I don't know much about evolution. I don't know much about, um, you know, Islam. I don't know how to, how to defend the faith. So, mm-hmm. you know, Chris, I know you got into this essentially just because you wanted to share the gospel with friends at work. You wanted to be a good witness with, with people in your secular work environment. And I think you were intimidated about this as well because you, you thought, well, that means I have to be a, uh, an expert on Jehovah's Witness and Mormonism and Islam because these are all my coworkers. I need to know what they believe. And, uh, and I remember you kind of figuring out it's not so much knowing what they believe. It's knowing what I believe and asking them questions and, and, and being able to, to you know, uh, engage in conversation. So why don't you talk a little bit just about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in, terms of, in terms of like, yeah, it, like I like what you said because it isn't, I, I thought I needed to be an expert in all of their worldviews. Right. And well, I think there's value in understanding somebody's perspective, where they're coming from, where they hold the basis of truth and things like that. It's far, far, far more important for us to understand what we believe and to really grasp what that means in, a, in, in the world. It means if, if you understand the gospel, if you understand salvation and these big ideas, and you can articulate how that works out in your worldview, it's easy to then talk to somebody about their worldview because their worldview, unfortunately, is wrong. Like, you yeah, know, and it's like, yeah. it's easy to show, shine light into a dark place because light always overcomes darkness. If we have the truth, then our our response is the correct one. Now, a lot of that is you need to be speaking in terms of like with grace and with, you know, respect when you, when you give those examples, I'm not telling don't walk up to your friends and just be like, you're wrong. I'm right. Um, or anything like that. That's right. That's good advice. Bank on that one. Um, but knowing and really believing what we 
say we believe and what we know as truth. And once you understand, and that's deep rooted um, in in your heart, that once you understand that and can articulate that, think about that, it becomes easy then to talk about it because you know it. You have to teach yourself it before you can teach others. Um, and if you if you're wondering like if there's examples of this in scripture, I when you were talking, Nate, I just thought of like there there are barriers that some people will have to have to go through before they can see faith and then sometimes not. Paul Paul probably had no one take the barriers of faith away from him. Jesus showed up and he became a Christian. Thomas though, he was a doubter. He had to go through all the different steps until right. he understood it and then by the grace of God he became a he became a full on believer. So there each well, yeah, person kind of has a, a different point. thing. And you can kind of look at some of the different apostles, right? So there was there was Bartholomew, Nathaniel, um, right, who who couldn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah because, because he said, can anything good come from Nazareth, right? And and he had to kind of overcome that barrier. And then, like you said, you see Thomas, who didn't believe Jesus resurrected from the dead, which is kind of a key component to the Christian faith, <laughs> um, until he put his hands in the in the in the side, right? And so there are going to be Christians who think, is is what Jesus taught good, right? Is his teaching on traditional marriage, is his teaching on on uh, uh, the only way to the Father through me, is that good, right? That would be a Nathaniel or a, a Bartholomew type question: Can anything good come from this man? or come from Nazareth, slash. And then, um, you know, a, a, a t- doubting Thomas sort of doubt would be, you know, well, how can I believe in a resurrection from the dead? That's a supernatural sort of thing. Or or historically, why why does that not seem to make sense? And then there are some barriers to that that we then bring out, and then if, uh, all of a sudden that um, produces the, the good soil, so to speak. God, you know, God produces the good soil, but that's that reveals the good soil that the gospel then gets planted in. Absolutely. Another example would be you could you could look at Peter and use Peter as an example of somebody who transitioned from the old age of Israel into the new covenant, who thought Jesus was going to do a lot different things than he actually did. Yeah, absolutely. He, he still thought right at the end, that Jesus was going to f- militarily take over yeah. Israel, and yeah. then Jesus he brought, a, to, he brought a sword to the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? <laughs> exactly, he was ready. Right? Um, he had he hadn't yet grasped, even though he kind of understood some some of it. He didn't grasp really what was happening until those barriers were broken down for him, and he could right. see he could see fully. Right. So apologetics really just is helping remove those planks in people's eyes, those like shells in people's eyes, whatever, however you want to articulate it so they can see clearly the gospel message and to be to be even blunt on the other side is to be able to defend christianity right. in a world in a world that we live in that seems to be yeah. increasingly we talked about this yesterday you and me Nate that uh, the world seems to be increasingly hostile just to christianity everybody else seems yeah. to kind of get a pass on you know what they're saying not fully but sometimes but Christianity, it seems universal. Everybody's yeah. kind of against. Everybody's preaching tolerance everywhere except towards, except towards fundamental Christianity. Yeah. And, and apologetics is just simply for for believers to step up and be able to give a defense of why we live the way we live, why, why we, we believe, believe what we believe, and what that means for the world. Yeah. And so I think sometimes for those of our listeners who have maybe um, been a Christian for a little while, apologetics might be a term that you're used to. And, uh, and, and maybe some of the pushback uh, uh, 
that people might think is, you know, it, it, this is too intellectual. People are too, you know, it, it, it's too much of a studious sort of thing. And, uh, and you know, are debates really healthy? Is dividing on issues really healthy? And uh, I'm just thinking of um, in Acts 18, in Acts 18, verse 24, it says, A Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross uh, to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples and to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who were through, uh, who through the grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that Christ was Jesus. And so I, I, you get here this picture of kind of uh, an apologist, an early church apologist named Apollos, who was an intelligent guy, who was an eloquent guy, who came in and started teaching about Jesus, and it says refuting the Jews in public. And then, you know, Priscilla and Aquila, a couple of, of uh, um, uh, seasoned Christians, brought him aside and, and kind of corrected maybe some of the things that he was saying. We don't have specifics here. And then he continued to go out and do that. So I say that to you just to show, number one, there's a biblical defense for um, people working on eloquence and working on knowledge so that they can engage, it says, engage in public debates, refuting uh, the Jews but also that you don't have to be perfect at this to go about and do it, right? So Apollos was doing it, he kind of got corrected, and then he kept going out and doing it probably better than he did before. So the point here is, is that you don't have to know everything to engage in apologetics. If you are a Christian, you are an apologist. And what I love about that verse that we that we use right off the bat in 1 Peter 3, always be ready to give a defense, that's not Paul talking, right? That's Peter. That's not super smart Paul who, you know, was under fantastic teaching, who who knew everything, who could speak multiple languages, who was the studious, you know, Pharisee of Pharisees. That was Peter, the fisherman, right? The apostle with the foot-shaped mouth. <laughs> that That's the guy who says, always be ready. So he's talking as a common Christian to common Christians and saying, you got to always be ready. So this isn't this isn't one of those things where Christians get off the hook and say, "Well, I'm not a gifted teacher. I'm not this. I'm not that." You're a Christian. You're an apologist. It's part of your job to always be ready to give a defense for your faith. Yeah. So you can't be sitting in the corner with your Christian friends, hoping nobody asks you <laughs> what your stance is on homosexuality. You can't be cringing in the corner, trying not to meet people's eyes when when people start asking questions about how, what evidence there is for God. You need to be ready. Yeah, absolutely. I got almost th three things I would say on what you're to build on what you're saying. There is one. Absolutely, every Christian is an, an, an apologist. Um, we we often go back to the great the great commission. We have a command to go and make disciples. You can't really do that without apologetics because right. that is part of the the method of how this happen how this happens. So it is something that we're all commanded to do. We're all commanded to make go and make disciples. So therefore, we're all commanded to be apologists as a method of how to do that right. in in culture. And I love that you brought up Peter and the fact that you don't have to be articulate to articulate, as I say. That's a good example <laughs> good right example. there. Um, or, or like gifted in certain areas to be doing this. Peter 
let's remember who this guy was. Like he, we, you made the joke. He's the foot shaped, <laughs> foot shaped mouth apostle. This is a guy who publicly said Jesus wasn't his friend. That he yep. publicly three times. three times denied Jesus publicly. Then forty days later, stood up in front of everybody and declared him risen in probably one of the greatest evangelistic services of all time. Yeah. Just because, and I'm, I know I'm I'm speaking to people, and I've lived this myself, who have put their foot in their mouth by their their answers and their questions with their coworkers, with their friends. You can come back and have that conversation again. It's not a one shot deal. You get multiple attempts and conversations because you are you are human and you are going to make mistakes. But the grace of God means that you can get those opportunities again to have that. And I just encourage anybody who's maybe held off on having those conversations or or peeking up in in a conversation at work when you know you're sitting around the water cooler and it drifts to evolution or something, you stay silent because the last time you engaged in that, you got shot down. There's, there's grace there and you know, there's going to be mercy in those, uh, those, those conversations. And I just want to encourage you guys in that area. So um, I'm going to say like, let's just give kind of um, because we'll get into some of the nitty gritty and some specifics next episode. So stay tuned for next week's episode when when we get uh, into some of the practicalities. But let's let's get practical, but on a kind of macro level, on a big on a big uh, level here. And I would say here are some steps that you can take uh, in order to become a good apologist. So in order to become and remember that this is. Um, uh, uh, we're, we're supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. That's, that's our, our, our purpose as, as Christians here, is ambassadors for Christ, always ready to give a defense, um, being uh, uh, good witnesses uh, of our King. So here are kind of four steps, I think, on uh, how to be a good apologist. I would say, number one, believe that Christianity is true. <laughs> and that might seem, that might seem um, obvious, but I would say, um, when you engage in conversations with with Muslims, uh, with Jehovah's Witnesses, with secularists, with atheists, with agnostics, um, you have to be willing to go into some difficult conversations, and you need to be convinced that Christianity is true. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid. Even if you don't know the answer to the question they might be asking— believe that Christianity has the answer. It's okay for you to say, I don't know. I don't know the answer to your question, but I'll find out. Trust that Christianity is true. And I think the reason I put this first is because I think there are too many Christians who believe that they have to turn their brains off in certain avenues of academia in order to be a Christian, right? Because they've bought into the secular narrative that Christians have their heads in the sand and Christians are ignorant and Christians are stupid. And so we don't know what we're talking about when it comes to, um, you know, evolution. We don't know what it, what we're talking about when it comes to science. We don't know what we're talking about when it comes to economics or whatever the case may be. And I would just say that's not true. Believe that Christianity will hold up in defense. Believe that there is an answer for the question that you have or that somebody else has. So, so be willing to engage in conversations that might sometimes scare you because you, you might think, well, that might cause me to doubt my faith. They might come up with some sort of a, a question that would cause me to think, well, maybe, maybe God isn't real. Trust Christianity enough that when you go searching for those answers, you're going to find them. Christianity will hold true. Yeah, some of the best, best ongoing conversations I've had or am having are have begun and got to a level of credibility with people when I said I don't know. 
I don't know. Yeah, that's a good let point. me let me find out. That if you think you have to have the silver bullet answer, people can sniff that out when you are glossing over it. If right. you go back and say, I don't know, let me find out, that just builds credibility into a conversation and lets the person know you're authentic, you know, <laughs> you know, lets you know you're in, in the conversation and lets you know that you're not just trying to bully them into the faith or anything like that, that you're, right. you're really engaged in the conversation. Right. So number one, really believe that Christianity is true. So that will, that will make you willing to go into conversations that you might be otherwise scared of. Uh, number two, know the Bible well. And, and again, this might seem obvious, but know the Bible well, because as you get into conversations, um, and, and Chris, you just kind of touched on this, some of the least successful conversations I've had, successful is kind of a, a relative or subjective term, but some of, the, some of the worst conversations, I'll just say it that way, I've had with non-Christians where I'm trying to share my faith, trying to make a defense for the faith, uh, are when I give them an answer I'm familiar with, right? So I love it when people ask me questions like, you know, why would a good God allow suffering in the world? Because I, I have that answer down. But oftentimes, if I get into a kind of rehearsed answer, then people can sniff that out, like you said. I'm not being authentic. <laughs> so um, I think um, knowing the Bible well helps us actually listen. So when we're conversing with somebody, people know, people know when you're just waiting for your turn to talk. Yeah. You know you know that Absolutely. look in people's eyes when, um, when you're t- saying something to them and you know all they're doing is waiting for the break in the conversation so they can say the next thing and they're not really listening to you. We can we can get into those kinds of conversations when we're trying to defend our faith, and people can see that. So you have to actually listen to what they're saying and know, trust that you know the Bible well enough to figure out what the Bible says about that thing. Now, like you said, it's you're you're allowed to say I don't know. I'll look into it, but then you actually have to go and do that. Yeah, yeah. So the better you know the Bible, the more um, thoughts will come to you. Um, stories will come to you, passages will come to you that will answer that specific question. So where I got into trouble was somebody would ask, you know, how can a good God allow suffering in the world, right? And I kind of had my my pat answer. But now that I know the scriptures a little bit better, depending on how they're asking the question, de- depending on where the conversation has come from to get to that place, there are different places you can go, right? You can go to the story of when the disciples were looking at the man who was born blind, and they said, you know, why was he born blind? In other words, they're asking that question. Why did some of this bad thing happen to him? Was it because of sin? And Jesus says, um, no, he didn't sin, nor did his parents sin. This is so that the glory of God can be shown in his life, right? So you can go to that. Or you can or you can go to um, 2 Corinthians 1, where it talks about how God brings difficulty into people's lives so that he can comfort them, so that the Spirit can comfort them, and so that they can be equipped to comfort others. Or you can go to, right, you can go to, um, you know, Romans uh, 8 or Romans 9 that is talking about kind of the sovereignty of God as he unfolds his big plans in history, and you can talk about it there. But if you don't know the Bible well enough, you don't know that there are different answers to that question. There are a multitude of answers to that question, and depending on the person, depending on the conversation, this is why Paul told us to uh, season every conversation like with salt, right? Talking, knowing how to respond to each different person. This is the point. Jesus responded differently to Nicodemus than he did to the woman at the well, right? The woman at the well, it was full of grace and full of mercy and, and very gentle. 
And he still, he still challenged her on her sin and he's still big reveal at the end talking about how he's, you know, the one, the Messiah. Same message with Nicodemus, but with Nicodemus, he's a little curt, right? He's a little bit short. He's kind of slapping him around a little intellectually because there's pride there with Nicodemus and he recognizes that he has to show himself intellectually superior to Nicodemus in order to be taken seriously there. So that, you know, he has that like, you know, um, you know you're, you're the teacher in Israel and you don't know these things to Nicodemus, right? That seems harsh. He didn't say that to the woman at the well. He's much more gentle with the woman at the well, but he had different methods depending on who he was talking to and how the conversation was going. And so we need to we need to know the Bible well enough to know where to go and how to season each conversation. Brilliant. So uh, number one, believe Christianity is true. Number two, know the Bible well. And number three, and this is, if I can give you one thing that will help you become better at defending your faith, it's this, ask questions. Ask questions. Greg Bonson has a great, uh, albeit slightly morbid, uh, saying, and I'll paraphrase it, where he says, um, give an atheist enough rope and he'll hang himself, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, in other words, and this goes back to our first point, believe Christianity is true. If you believe Christianity is true, then every other worldview is a house of cards, and all you have to do is take one card out and it falls apart, yeah. right? So if you have somebody who is saying, you know, Christianity is just one way to God, and all Christian, all, all religions lead to God, and you simply ask the question, what do you mean by that? Then now, now the onus is on them. See, too often in conversations about the faith, the Christian gets put in the hot seat and they say, well, there's no proof that God exists. And then as you start to maybe give them some proof that God exists, then they say, well, even if he does exist, how can a good God allow bad things to happen in the world? And as you're starting to give an answer to that, you say, they say, well, evolution refutes God anyway. Right, And so it, you're just caught in this hot seat where you're ha- answering tough question after tough question. Get in the driver's seat. Start asking some questions of your own. Well, how is it then if you, you say that all religions lead to God, why is it that Jews say Jesus isn't the Messiah and Christians say Jesus is the Messiah? Those are two contradictory things. How do, you, how do both those things lead to God? You start asking the questions. Just ask them. You don't need to be an expert on their worldview if you can ask them questions about their worldview, right? And they're going to be internal contra- contradictions because Christianity is the only worldview that actually makes sense of the world around us. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, lo- I love what, the way you put that there. Is we're, we're so used to thinking that we're the ones on trial. Yeah, that we're the ones that the world is our prosecutor, and we're the ones on trial. Where the opposite is actually true. God is judging; will judge the world. Yeah, and that's a great. We point. are we are the the prosecution in this terrible analogy, right. and we need to start acting like it. And that, that doesn't mean you need to be like like you're saying. I think you 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 weren't implying this, but I want to make sure our listeners know that that's not what we're saying. That we have to be the assertive dominant force in every conversation. No. But, it simply just ask questions yeah. and let them kindly, let, gently, let, exactly, and and talk it out. Because if if you do the first two steps, you know the Bible well, and you really believe what we say we believe, then that makes all other belief systems invalid. Which means you, like you said, a house of cards. You pull on the string until it unravels, right. and all you have to do is keep talking. It's um, not to liken it to sales or anything like that, but it's it's simple. That's the method how you talk to people. Think of any conversation you're in. You just ask questions until you get to where you want to go with the conversation. That's yeah. how you work. That's how we do in every other situation in life. Apologetics is nothing different than what you're already doing just by being a friend, being a parent, being a, 
a coworker. Yeah. And, and I mean, you mentioned being a parent and, um, Honestly, so this is this is a great one, and I just had this conversation with uh, a non-Christian friend the other day, um, and they just they just started having kids, and so you asked the question, you know, um, well, what, what are you going to teach your kids growing up, right? So there they are. They we've never had a spiritual conversation before. We've never really talked about God before, or every time I've tried, it's been shut down or whatever. That's a very simple question, and that can get into that can get into a very big conversation and and it started to before it got shut down but you know so what are you going to teach your kids what are you going to teach your kids when they ask about god what are you going to ask what are you going to teach your kids when they ask about um how we got here what the big purposes of life like what is your what what is your standard where do you where do you get these answers from where do you go for these sorts of answers and and then you'll get somebody who will just say well you know i think every person needs to figure it out for yourself so so do you mean that um the meaning of life is subjective like your meaning in life is different from my meaning in life and they might say yeah absolutely and then i would just say something like well that that seems like a really hard way to answer big questions in life if everybody kind of gets to decide for themselves what if i decide life is about something different than what you do or what if you and your wife disagree on what life is about how do you instill that in your children how are you going to raise your children to think subjectively so you can't tell them what you think the meaning of life is because they need to figure it out for themselves and you can slowly start to get to i mean that is that, that relativism is really what's dominating culture right now you just start asking questions nobody can live in that right so I, I remember having a conversation one time with a guy, um, and we were talking about whether or not there's absolute truth, right? And so he, you know, uh, he knew I was a Christian, so he knew where I was trying to go with the conversation. So he he says, "Well, how do you know that what you believe is is absolutely true, right?" So there's a there's an example. I'm I'm in the hot seat now. I have to prove Christianity, right? So I just turned it around on him. I asked him a question, and I just said, "So are you saying that there is no absolute truth?" And he says, yeah, there is no absolute truth. And I said, how, how do you know that there's no absolute truth? And he talks about subjectivity. And I just said, so are you absolutely sure that there's no absolute truth? And, and then, of course, he saw exactly what I was doing. And then we start having that conversation. And I keep asking questions. Well, do you think murder is always wrong? He says, no. Okay, let's 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 talk about let, let's what about what about rape? Is rape always wrong? Rape is is kind of the trump card here. Not, everybody's always going to say that's objectively wrong, and he did. He said that that was objectively wrong. He says, yeah, of course that's wrong. Okay, well, what if somebody thinks that that's not wrong? What if subjectively they that's not their worldview? That's not their belief. Should they still be prosecuted? Well, yeah, they should. Okay, then why are you foisting your beliefs on that person by putting them in jail for doing something that they think is right? Is right? See, nobody can actually live in that world, right? Yeah, exactly. And so you just keep asking questions to start showing the absurdity of their own worldview. And you don't even then have to bring them to you know, the, the truth of Jesus. All you've done is you've put a stone in their shoe, you've made them think about something and shown them the inconsistencies in their own worldview. And in my, in my experience, they'll come back to you either with an answer that they didn't have before or with more questions for you. And, and it just opens that door. So ask questions, get into the driver's seat of the conversation. Yeah, exactly. And I, lo- I loved what you said there because when you're asking questions, it, it forces people, and like, not to get too, psych- like, too much into psychology here, but it, it force pe- forces people to think through what they're actually saying. Yeah. So when you ask somebody a question, they have to think about the answer because they're now on, like, as you said, the hot seat. Right. And one of the things, one of my good friends has 
consistently just in other things in, in life challenged me to do all the time is make people explain why they're, what they're saying and what they're doing and yeah. what if scenarios. And I like how you said like, because these worldviews, if you play them out to their end, end game, so to speak, fall apart, all you have to do. And I know this is a bit of a practical piece in this, in this top is, is get people to start talking that way and just watch how it goes in their head. Yeah. Because a lot of people hold views, and this is what we're telling you not to do with Christianity. A lot of people hold views, and they don't understand why they hold it. That's right. Whereas apologetics and the first two fundamental pieces of this this four step thing that we're talking about here is for is for you to understand at the root and the cause of why you flush out your faith in the way you do. It's why we want to share our, go- our the gospel with people, etc. Other people, and I'm not saying everybody, but m- most people don't hold their views that way. They kind of hold them on a surface level. Right. And if you get them to articulate why they hold those ver- those views, a lot of times what they believe about certain things don't actually line up. And you can start to show them these errors in basically their thinking. Yeah, that's great. So uh, number one, believe that Christianity is true. Number two, know the Bible well. Number three, ask questions. And then number four, learn how to get to the gospel. So again, we just want to reiterate that we recognize that pointing out the flaws in somebody's worldview, beating them in a debate, anything like that, that's not going to save them. What saves them is the articulation of the gospel and the Holy Spirit using that as the means by which he regenerates their hearts. So the gospel is the transforming agent here. Well, God is the transforming agent. The means by which he transforms is the gospel. So learn how to get to the gospel. We'll talk about this a little bit more in our next episode, but all I mean by that is learn how your view of creation versus evolution. Learn how your view of the sanctity of life. Learn how your view of traditional marriage is linked to the gospel, because they all are, right? And Romans 1, for example, is, um, you know, we didn't even get there. We, we, meant, to go, we meant to go to Romans 1 today um, because Romans 1 talks about how active, um, there's no such thing as an atheist, Romans 1 actually will tell us. It says that everybody is involved, everybody who does, denies God is actively involved in the suppression of the truth that they know about God. And so as you engage in apologetics, you have to understand that you're not trying to prove that God exists. You're trying to pull away the barriers and the tools that they're using to actively suppress the truth that they do know about God, because that's what Romans 1 says. It says that they all know they're all without excuse, but they suppress the truth they know about God and exchange it for a lie. And it's really interesting. If you go there, and I would just encourage you, maybe as follow-up to this episode, go there, read that. And it goes right from there to, you know, God giving them up to their, to their own depravity. It goes into kind of Paul starts talking in Romans 1 there about homosexuality. And it gets that to the foot of the cross. And it shows you how um, homosexuality actually links back to the gospel. And so what's really interesting is that, you know, with every topic, we need to learn what are the gospel gates? What are the gates from this conversation to the gospel? Because ultimately, that's what we try to do. I, I was involved in a, uh, a Facebook conversation the other day. We we released a podcast. Was it last week's episode on climate change or the week? It was the week was, before. Yeah, two weeks ago. And uh, some things got heated on Facebook, and we, we got as, into as so often does as they, as they do, and uh, we got into a debate over over climate change, 
and uh, and I was going back and forth with a with a guy that I know who's not not a believer, and uh, and ultimately I was I was feeling convicted because we were going back and forth arguing over the topic, and I thought I, I have to get this back to the gospel, and so I just thought and I prayed and 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 tried to wrap up the conversation, getting back to the gospel because ultimately we're not when you get to heaven when 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 your life and your time here is done you're not going to have a uh, a notch on your belt for every debate you went won you know your your victories on facebook debates <laughs> it, it is not going to be a stat that's kept in eternity um the only thing that goes with you into eternity is is the 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 ways in which god used you to build his kingdom and to make disciples and so the point of apologetics here is to make disciples the point of apologetics here is to get to the gospel. So it doesn't mean every conversation you have to have gets you to the gospel. Um, it just means that you need to be actively working towards getting to the gospel. And um, I call it the long con. <laughs> there, there are people <laughs> in my life, there are neighbors uh, and, and friends of mine who are not Christians, and, uh, and I'm building relationships, and, and I have good spiritual conversations with them. Some of them I brought the gospel up several times. But my goal in all of those things, because I love them, it's not inauthentic, it's authentic, Chris. <laughs> I genuinely care about them, and I want them to spend eternity with Christ. And so um, I am actively working to get to the gospel in all of my apologetics and all of my relationships with them. Um, it just might, sometimes it happens fast, sometimes it happens slow, um, but you have to be intentional about getting there. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I love that you said it's it's because of love that we want to have, we want yeah. to work this way. Yeah. We want to have these conversations because of genuine didn't use the word love for people right. because real love. Yeah. Like not shallow love that would if, say, just accept me the way I am. If real only there was a world love. to uh, real is the, like if only there was another word um, <laughs> for, for people though, like you, you want to be in these relationships and you want to cultivate these kind of relationships and these kind of discussions because we know as C.S. Lewis articulated, as the Bible articulates, there is no mere mortal. Everyone yeah. will spend eternity somewhere. Yeah. And if, we as Christians, as we know, are the only ones with the with the true life raft. If we're not helping people get on it, then we're doing the opposite, and which is condemning them to death. And that's the most hateful thing you can do. So apologetics yeah. is just simply a method of loving your neighbor, loving your friends, right. as you yourself have been loved first by God. And I and I loved also the fact that you pointed out is not every conversation do you have to like lead them to the foot of the cross. Like, let me let me tell you what Jesus did. Um but Think think about like every conversation, every relationship in your life. You're you're playing chess with that person, so you're just moving slowly, moving slowly until you get to the point where the gospel. There is no more defense of the king, and you can and you can show them, and it's checkmate because right. God makes that the case. And again, we always want to say it's not because of anything we're doing, but we are the tools that God uses to to make this a thing. And it's it's not checkers. There isn't. I'd make two jumps, and you have no choice but to become a Christian now. That's why certain <laughs> theologies fall down, because it's simply not that. You know what I mean? It's a it's a game that we're playing. Well, it's not a game, but you know what I mean. Yeah. The analogy in terms of that. It's, it's it's a long process that you know you just need to be in people's lives to be in this point in the first place. So. Yeah. So so those are our kind of four points on how to be a good apologist. Believe Christianity is true fundamentally, objectively. Uh, two, know the Bible well. Three, ask questions. And number four, get learn how to get to the gospel. And, uh, and, and we're going to flush out in the next episode, we're going to talk about some specific topics that come up 
Um, Chris and I try to practice what we preach. Obviously, we fail at it all the time, but uh, we, we try to be good at this. We try to be actively involved in conversations with our, our, uh, in our sphere of influence, and, uh, and we, we get <laughs> into some interesting conversations. And so we'll just share with you some of the things that we've learned about specific topics, what the Bible says, how to talk about them, the, the kind of key things that will come up as you engage in this. So, so make sure you come back next time. And I'm just going to end one of those reviews talked about uh, Christian life hack. So I'm going to give you a Christian life oh, hack. Nice. And here's the Christian life hack uh, in, in regard to this, specifically into point number three, ask questions. I'm going to give you the most useful question that I've ever had. The question I use more than anything else in any of these apologetic conversations. And that is, what do you mean by that? <laughs> as you said, as you said, everybody likes to throw out statements and, and not all of them are well thought through. So when people will make grand statements, I love to ask the question, what do you mean by that? Because what do you mean by that just causes them to, okay, now essentially what I'm saying is defend that, unpack that for me, show me what you mean when you say that and tell me why you believe that or, or, or what reasons do you have for that? Because people love throwing out statements, um, but just ask that question, what do you mean by that? And, and, and keep asking that question and keep asking that question until um, you uh, you see a, a place that you can enter into the conversation and bring some uh, gospel truth to it. Yeah, the, the one I use all the time is help me understand. Yeah. Help me understand yeah, I, that. You do. You use that on I, me a lot. I'm, I'm, on, <laughs> I'm on Twitter all the time with that. Help me help me understand what you mean by that. Yeah. Like it, just because it makes people, it, like what we say, it puts them in the, in the hot seat, right? So. Right. Okay, so that's, uh, that's us. Thanks for joining us. Join us next time as we try to get a little bit more uh, nitty-gritty with, uh, with some of these things. Um, but uh, hopefully we are helping you engage culture with a biblical worldview as apologists, as people involved in the Great Commission, making disciples and teaching obedience. You've been listening to the Rebel Alliance podcast, where we equip you to engage culture through a biblical worldview. Please take the time to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, write a review, and leave a five-star rating. If you would like to see all of our content, which includes podcast episodes uploaded to iTunes each Wednesday, and short videos about engaging culture released on Facebook each Friday, please visit us online at rebelalliancemedia.com. We love hearing from you, so if you have questions, comments, or would like to suggest episode topics, send us a message on Facebook or email us at info at Thanks for joining us, and you may now consider yourself part of the rebellion.